So David Platt, who I really like, wrote this. Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort. It's not health. It's not wealth. It's not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ. And he is more than enough for us. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to go back in the book of James. We're in chapter five. Um, We're going to jump back to chapter five. And really, next couple of weeks after this, we're going to talk about conflict, how to resolve conflict. Something that I think we all, boy, it's one of those two of those sermons in a row that I really think could have a profound impact on your life. So make sure that you're here for the next two as well. But uh, I'm going to go back to James chapter two and read verses 14 through 19. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And remember, it says such faith. Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it in the same way? Faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You know, we often think as we go through this, we often think as you read through James that James is the the works guy, if you will, and Paul is the grace guy. Right? If you, if, you know, if you're new to the faith or if you've just been reading your Bible and you're kind of getting into it, you, you start to think to yourself theologically, well, well, James is more of a works guy and Paul's more of a, of a kind of a grace guy. But Paul, Paul is committed to truth. Paul was committed to the truth of living out your faith as well as anyone else. Apostle Paul was totally committed to the idea that you need to live out your faith. And that's what James is talking about. Not that you can lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is that we need to live out our faith. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we need to live out our faith. In one of Paul's most famous, famous passages where he talks about being saved by grace alone, not by works, not by works. He immediately talks about a faith that is active, a faith that is lived out, a faith that is working hard, that should should be hard at work, a a faith that should be hard at work. Let me read you Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. Many of you have heard this before. It says, for is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, period. But then he goes on, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. They are not contradicting each other. James and Paul, they're on the same exact page. They're saying the same exact thing. Let me show you, okay, with this illustration, what they're both saying. Why don't you put that up there? Faith plus nothing equals salvation equals works. Hold it there for a second. Look at that. Faith plus nothing equals salvation. That's what James is saying. That's what Paul is saying. You are saved by grace. You are saved by faith, your faith in Jesus Christ. So faith plus nothing equals salvation equals works. If you erase the works part, okay, 
if it's just faith plus nothing equals salvation, and there's no works, you're not living out your faith. You say you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You say that you are a Christian, but you're not living out your faith at all. There's no, there's no fruit. You're bearing no fruit. You're not engaging in the lives of anyone. You're not, you're not living it out. Then what they would both say is that is called a dead faith. He said, and James said, can such faith save you? What kind, what is such faith? What he's saying is that a dead faith, a dead faith cannot save you. He says, you believe there's one God. Fantastic. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Demons have knowledge, right? Demons have belief in God. What the demons, what do the demons not have? They do not have obedience to God. They're not serving God. So James and Paul are saying the same thing. It is by grace that we are saved. But if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not living out your faith, then both James and Paul are going to respond. Paul made it absolutely clear that we are saved. We are not saved by works, that we're saved by grace. But then he immediately says that we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you. He has a purpose for your life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he begins to work out all the things that he created you to do the person that you were created to be so god prepared in advance for us to do that's what paul says salvation is by faith through grace but in no way would either man say that our salvation our our faith is a, a walk in the park this is why people usually step back whoa when they find out wait i i didn't sign up for this all of a sudden they take a step back They don't live out their faith. But being a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible is telling us that being a follower of Jesus Christ means that you're going to live like Jesus. So Paul said it. James said it. And in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it says this. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. If but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So the disciples are all lined up. You you can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. You can call yourself a Christian. But what but James is saying, what Paul is saying, what John says, what they say is that the Bible tells us that if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ, then we need to follow Christ. Think about how Jesus made disciples. He preached the truth and then he encouraged, he challenged, he invited people to follow him. He invited them to follow him. But it was only those who were willing to serve him who were willing to sacrifice, who were willing to deny themselves, who truly became his disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple, when, back then, a disciple is someone who followed a teacher around. You know, they followed the teacher around and they said, oh, I'm, I'm a follower, I'm a, I'm a disciple of this person. So they followed him around. And Jesus said, if you want to be my, one of my disciples, you need to serve me. You need to deny yourself. You need to sacrifice and invest in the lives of other people. As a matter of fact, if you read through the New Testament, Jesus was not like any of the leaders that we, most of the leaders that we would have today. I'm not just talking about Christianity in general. Okay, 
If you're a leader and all of a sudden large crowds of people start to follow you, you're like, hey, this is fantastic. But what Jesus did in his day, when large groups of people, because it says Jesus knew it was in a person, so he could basically read people's minds. He had large groups of people following him. Why did they follow him? Because he was feeding people and also because he was putting on a mighty show. He was That's not his desire. That wasn't what he was trying to do. He was healing people. He was doing miracles and people said, you've got to see, you've got to see this. We, number one, we got a great lunch, fish and bread. It was, oh, it was really good. Okay. And then a dinner and a show. Holy mackerel. He healed this guy. He was blind and he did this and he did that. And they're like, where, where, where? And they all started following him. What did Jesus do? Oh, this is great. Look how many more people today are following. That's not what he did. He thinned out the crowd. How did he thin out the crowd? He started teaching them what it meant to be a follower of his what does it mean to follow me, to truly be my disciple? And he would teach. And after he was finished teaching in John chapter 6, in verse 60, here's what it says. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then in John chapter 6, in verse 66, I find very interesting, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You know why James was so bold? You know why Paul was so bold? You know why John was so bold? Because Jesus was so bold. People turn up, try to paint Jesus in this culture as, like, oh, he would never offend anyone. I was listening to news one time and they were talking about something and they brought up the woman caught in adultery. And the person said on the news, oh, Jesus never judged anyone. And I'm thinking, have you lost your mind, man? Did you actually read that? He said, he who's without sin cast the first stone. They all dropped their stones. He confronted them in their sin. That's called judging them. Then on top of that, the woman caught in adultery. She's already broken and asking for forgiveness. He tells her, go and sin no more. He judged everyone in earshot. So what Jesus is saying, hey, listen to me, folks. All the crowd. If you want to dabble, get a hobby. But if you, want to, if, you, if you want to follow me, then you better pick up your cross. Because he says, if you don't suffer with me, you won't reign with me. If I'm following someone, I should actually be following them. If I say someone, this is a person I want to, I want to be like this person, then I need to be like that person. See, the idea... Of working, and here's, I think you think about this, you say, well, I'm not totally getting it. The idea of working hard at something that you truly believe in is not a concept that we can't comprehend. It's, it's something every single person in this room can comprehend. We're watching the Olympics, right? Every story in the Olympics is the same thing. They worked. Their story is, I work. I loved. This is my sport. I love. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying they're idol worshipers and not worshiping Jesus. A lot of good, solid believers in the whole mix. What I'm saying is that they're, what they're saying is, I, this is, I believe that in, in what I'm doing. And I want to be at the best at what I'm doing. So I'm going to work really hard to become the best athlete in this arena. And the storyline for all the back, the backstories for all the athletes is pretty much the same. I mean, the, the strength, the, what the, the rigorous programs they have to go through in order to get to that level. Why? They love what they're doing. They love, they believe in it, and they're working at it. If, if you want to start a business, okay, 
If you start a business, you're going to work to make sure that business is successful. You're not going to get up if you're an entrepreneur or you start your own business in any way. You're not going to get up at 10 o'clock, 1030. Oh, man, well, I was supposed to open at nine, but that person can wait. Oh, I'm missing the Olympics. I got to get home. The three o'clock, the women's soccer game's on. I mean, that's not what you do. You work hard to make sure that you're successful at that. You believe in your business and you're going to work hard at what you believe in. If you want a strong, healthy family, you're going to work hard at building relationships with the other members of your family so that you can have a healthy and strong family. You work at those relationships. You believe in your family. You believe in having a strong family. So you work hard at doing that. This is not rocket science, right? But see, here's what James does. James challenges people's faith who talk the talk, but then refuse to walk the walk. He challenges the people's faith who talk the talk. We've been the whole book of James been going through this. He challenges someone's faith who says, I am a Christian. They talk the talk, but then don't get around to walking the walk. And James and Paul and John and everyone else in New Testament and Old Testament will say, wait a second. If you're claiming to be this, then you need to you need to live that out. It needs to be a part of your life. You just can't. I can't. I can say to you, you know what? I'm I'm one of the I'm a baseball. I'm a, I'm a professional baseball player. And then someone who can actually pitch gets in here and strikes me out. I can't even hit the ball. Right. If I stand there and can't even hit the ball, I can talk all day long. If I'm not if I'm not holding the, I'm holding the bat upside down. You know, what I'm saying um, I'm standing the wrong way. You're going to say, well, gee, you say that you're, but I don't see any evidence. That's what James is saying. If you're claiming to be something, we need to see evidence of that. In James chapter 2, I'm going to read to you. James chapter 2, starting in verse, uh, and starting in verse 20, it says this, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous what, for what he did when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith, were, uh, and his, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Again, you're saved by grace. Faith plus nothing equals salvation. Once you have that salvation, once you have it, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, Jesus Christ is living in you, you will live out your faith. You will live it out. Now, are you going to be perfect? Not a chance. Are you going to fall short sometimes? Absolutely. Are you going to go through seasons of your life where you just kind of sit back and go, gosh, I'm so exhausted. I've been so I've been hurt in this area, whatever the case may be, and take a season of your life and just lick your wounds a little bit. Absolutely. Those all the do you backslide? Sure. You, everyone makes mistakes. We all struggle in different areas of our lives. My point is over the long haul, the seasons of your life, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will be living out your faith according to what the Bible Bible teaches us here, according to what Jesus is saying, what James is saying, what Paul is saying, what John is saying, what the New Testament is saying. And James knew something else, too. OK, he knew this. He, he knew only a true believer can stand up under the challenges and the persecution and the struggles and the pain and the suffering sometimes of what it means to walk in faith with Jesus Christ. He knew only a strong believer could stand up under the challenges of the Christian life. And so James, in the book of James, he doesn't waste much time making this point. In chapter 1, go back to chapter 1. In chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 1, he gives a greeting, right? He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings! 
But he goes from the greeting immediately into his teaching. I mean, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He goes from a greeting right into his teaching because James understood what he was dealing with here. There was it was it was challenging to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Challenging. So many people today think when they give their lives to Christ and and it's because of the way it's presented sometimes but they think they give their lives to Christ and all of a sudden they're going to win the lottery every other day and things are going to be happy all the time and they're going to have no strain and stress in their lives and, and, and it's just going to all work out for them all the time. They're going to have they're going to have happiness and good fortune almost all the time. But as a true follower of Jesus Christ finds out that that ends as quickly as a James greeting. Right. Right. That kind of that that thought process, that mindset, a true follower of Jesus Christ learns very quickly. That will end as fast as a James greeting. James makes it clear the Christian life, okay, is not for the faint of heart. The, The Christian life is not for those who are faint of heart. From the earliest days of the church, persecution, persecution and trials were a part of the followers of Jesus Christ. From the earliest days of the church, they were, I mean, they went through horrible persecution. We talked about this. Their things were taken. All their possessions were taken. They were persecuted. They were killed, stoned. All kinds of things would happen. I mean, being a follower of Jesus Christ, you're taking your life, your life into your own hands. And we in America, we read about that and think back on it. But it's happening right now. It happens right now. Thousands of Christians, every single thousands. I've heard statistics up to 150,000 Christians a year are martyred. They're killed for their faith, mostly in Muslim countries. But then you have totalitarian governments like North Korea, where, where the leadership sees themselves as gods and the idea of worshiping someone else besides them is out of the question. And you have 50 to 70,000 Christians who are put in political camps and have to live in political camps because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's happening right now. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you live it out, for, 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 from the beginning of Christianity, you are going to be challenged in your faith. And we don't have that in America yet. But as time goes on, you see more and more people challenging our, our beliefs, challenging our faith. Because who wants to be called a hater? I, I got to tell you, just personally, I'm getting sick and tired of that word being thrown around. Amen. Oh, my gosh. It's horrible. I mean, I, I, I was watching a thing on Gabby. What's her name? Gabby? Um, yeah, and she, and she she stood there uh, and didn't clap loud enough. I watched it and I thought maybe you know, but how do you know her grandmother didn't just pass away or something? You know what I mean? And they were talking about that, and and people were using the word hater. She's a hater. She's a hater because she's because she put her hands down and didn't put her hand up. All right, maybe she's young and she should have put her hand. But my goodness, don't go calling people haters. Because you, they disagree with you or they don't like what you're saying. Even if you disagree with the person, you know exactly what they're saying. It doesn't mean they're a hater. Goodness me. People throw that word around like it's, you know, they call anybody who disagrees with them a hater. It needs to stop. The New Testament writers knew that a faith at work, a faith that serves, is a faith that will consistently grow over time. It will grow stronger each and every day. 
And so they challenged us. If you're if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to live that out in your life. Because as you live it out, as you grow and live that out, it, it, it helps you become a stronger follower of Jesus. It, you start here. If you start living out your faith, I'll give you a quick example. When I was a youth pastor, I taught one Sunday on washing the, the Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Everyone thought that was a good talk. Thanks so much. And they walked and they went home. You know, that didn't see any profound change in anyone's life. About a month later, we were down in the inner city and we were washing people's feet. We were taking care of the homeless. And we weren't thinking about, we're going to, actually, we weren't thinking about washing people's feet. We went down there to take care of the homeless. We found one man whose feet, his socks were caked to his feet because he had kept his shoes on for so long because he didn't want anybody to steal his shoes. And so he kept his shoes on for months and his shoes and his socks were literally like stuck to his feet. So the kids had to untie the laces and get the, you know, get the shoe off, almost cut the shoe off his foot. And then they had to put his feet in hot water and slowly massage the socks that were stuck to this man's skin and wash his feet. Okay, you want to talk about a profound change in their lives. They understood what it meant to humble themselves and wash someone's feet. It changed them because they applied what they learned. You don't, you cannot, I believe this with all of my heart. You cannot grow past a certain point in your relationship with Jesus Christ unless you apply what you're learning. You need to put your faith into action or you will not grow. James is telling us we need to live out our faith. We need to be engaged and involved in the body of Christ. We need to get involved in our community. We need to get involved around the world and, 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 and present the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. In a way that's active, in a way that invests in their, not only their spiritual needs, but their felt needs as well. That's what James is calling us to do. That's why you go back, he says, what does he say? He says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith, we know what that is, save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Live out your faith, is what he's saying. And Grace Chapel has has always been and will hopefully continue to be a church that, that, that works out its faith, a church that works. And we need to be people with a faith that is active. We need to be living out our faith. We need to actively be living out our faith. You wonder why you're not spiritually where you would like to be. Part of the reason is because you're just hearing things, but you're not applying those things. You need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get engaged. We need everyone in this body, this body we call Grace Chapel, living out God's word. We need everyone to have their faith at work, to be working out their faith, to be serving others. I love this quote by John Wesley. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Okay, I'm going to stop there because here's what I like to do. I want to, I want to give, I, I asked Andy to come, Timer, who's the pastor of children and youth here at Grace Chapel. I asked him to come and to share with you some of the ways you can get involved and also to share the vision of our children and youth ministry. 
This is one area of our church. There's a lot of different areas of the church that you can get engaged in. But I want Andy to come and share and share with you some of the ways that you can get involved, share the vision, share what's going on within the children's ministry, get you a little motivated and excited about what's happening. And then you need to pray and ask yourself, how then can I get engaged in my church? Thank you. Before I start, we have a short, quick little video. Okay, so the good news is, is stay tuned. You only literally had to wait one second because now the good news, is, exciting news is coming. I used the word exciting about 200 times in the first service. My wife let me know, so I'm going to try to use thrilled and pumped, um, some other adjectives. But uh, real quick, my name is Andy Keimer. Uh, I'll reintroduce myself or introduce myself for, the, for those that don't know me. About six weeks ago, I accepted the position of the pastor of children and youth ministry. Um, I had been a teacher at Mason Middle School for 12 years, and I had really been praying. I talked to Jeff. I really wanted to be in the exact role God wanted me to be. And thinking as I was praying that, that it would be, okay, you teach 8th grade instead of 7th grade, or you teach a different <laughs> subject. Um, I wasn't expecting this, but as it came along, literally I, I almost didn't even need to pray about it because I was already praying for the position for me to be where God wanted me to be. And, and I am so excited to be in this position and just thrilled and humbled um, and being from a teacher background, everything is objective base. You know, you are meeting the objectives. The kids know the objectives. If you're getting observed by your principal, they come in and literally ask the kids in your class, what are the objectives? And you just pray and hope they don't ask that one kid who doesn't even know what day of the week it is, <laughs> what objectives you're trying to reach in class. Um, but no, my, my goal here, and the reason we did this as an entire church is in the past, we would just call the parents over to the warehouse. We'd miss parents. Um, but as Jeff has kind of shared in, in his sermon this morning is that we're, we're all connected to the church. We should all have opportunities to serve in the church. And our youth ministry is one of those opportunities. And we want our youth ministry to be something that is dynamic, something that our kids are excited about, something that our parents that have kids that are excited about, something that for members that don't have kids or kids that have graduated that are proud of and can go out in the community and talk about and, and share and draw more kids in. And certainly let me say that 
the youth and children's ministry is in a great, great place. Those that have come before have done a tremendous job, a tremendous amount of respect. The leadership that is already in place, it's, it's amazing to come into a position and you already have 15 people willing to come up on a Wednesday night, Sunday night, you know, Sunday morning and help with the middle school, high school, and so forth. So I'd like to just give a big picture vision so that when you leave, you kind of have an idea. Secondly, I'd like for you to understand areas that we want to grow in and what we want to do going forward that should excite you. And third thing is kind of challenge you to, you know, maybe it's not teaching, but maybe it's getting involved in helping us clean up the warehouse or maybe it's getting involved in something else. So um, we have a vision for every single classroom from our nursery up to our high school that we want our youth ministry and it's set up in a way where they start as babies. There's a baby dedicate dedication. They are introduced into our youth ministry and, and that is just as important as the high school. I think sometimes people in this position or in other positions get caught up in, well, this is my focus. High school is my focus. Middle school is my focus. I want to make sure that every aspect of our children's and youth ministry is our focus that we're taking the nursery and we're using it as an opportunity to love our children and make it an inviting, safe place and passing them up to our classrooms. And in our classrooms, we're introducing them to Bible stories. Um, we're introducing them to names, key events, and then they go to the edge, the fourth and fifth grade, and they're starting to learn the truth. There's truth behind these stories. And then we continue to build into their lives as they go to middle school, and they understand that you know this truth applies to them. And as they get to high school, they can live out their faith because they have strong spiritual faith. So how we want to do that, the first in our classrooms, we're trying to establish kind of an internship program. We have incredible volunteers. We have incredible teachers. Um, but it's tough to keep consistency in that classroom. So our goal through Mason High School, Lebanon High School, Sycamore High School, CHCA, Kings, uh, a lot of those schools have future Teacher of America clubs. They have teacher academies, actual classes that we're trying to partner with those schools and with colleges, Cedarville, Cincinnati Christian, and bring in kids that want to be teachers, want to be in youth ministry, and have them be our consistent teachers. You know, kids that are spiritually strong, kids that that is their calling, give them practical experience in the classroom, and then we use our volunteers that have done a tremendous job to either continue to help teach or they can just come in and be a help in the classroom. I mean, we know our nursery, um, there are times in there we have eight, ten babies, and Chris Byler's in there, he's holding one baby, and then another baby comes. This is the proper baby holding stance right here as I get <laughs> down. Um, you have one baby, he has another baby, and then he has a baby on his knee, and then he's literally using the force of these two babies to pinch a baby <laughs> in between. And then another baby comes in, and he's telling the mom, just stack it right here on my shoulder. So... Let me make it very clear. I've learned that having a dry sense of humor and speaking to people that may not know you, that sometimes people believe certain things that they shouldn't believe. So disclaimer here, there's no baby stacking going on in Grace Chapel. I can just see the community over at Troy. They stack babies over there. Did you know that? So, but we want to have the opportunity the goal to have four, five, six, as many volunteers, as many people invested in those classrooms so we can meet the objective of loving and holding and rocking every single baby in there. Um, and then our goal is they get to middle school and high school. This is one thing that we're really, really excited about. In your bulletin, there's a lot of key dates um, for our youth and children's ministry. I'm not going to go through all of them, but one is September 11th. And one thing that we're starting is a youth service over at the warehouse. 
It's not just a class. It's not a Sunday school, just, you know, prayer group. It is a service. Uh, we've kind of researched, we've asked kids, you know, what would draw you in Sunday morning? Food. <laughs> food. Get food there. I'm there. Bring my friends if there's food. So <laughs> we will have food. Um, we have a leadership team in place. We have a worship team. Um, it's our goal to make it an interactive, fun, safe service. That's the number one thing. We want every kid to feel safe. We want them to feel engaged, and we want to challenge them to grow spiritually. So we want to provide a service over there where, like I said, we will have music. We will have fun, interactive games. We'll have uh, skits. We'll have videos that we write ourselves that we connect to our curriculum and our lesson, and then we challenge them, and hopefully that's an opportunity for them to be invited, to invite their friends, and feel really, really safe about. So you'll keep hearing reminders on Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, to the middle school, high school kids, Sunday morning as we get closer to September 11th, we'll remind you, but it's our goal to make this dynamic Sunday morning service over there. And I think just as you look at the video, other reasons you should be excited is just the resources we have at Grace Chapel, just with the actual space, uh, the connection with 121, the connection with back-to-back. I think... I revisit my youth group days. It was me and two kids and my mom. (laughs) And yeah, I'll just, it wasn't fun. Um, I'll leave it at that. So the opportunity to travel to Mexico, we've talked about traveling to Alaska and just doing incredible, incredible things. And we know where we're at and where we want to get to. And it's going to be baby steps and baby steps. And I I think the fact that we have incredible leadership in place, uh, we have the resources and we're going to establish consistency within you know, this position within our leadership position. And I'm a, I'm a sport guy that, you know, sometimes it's annoying. Ask my wife, but, um, I would always start this phrase with the word, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm a Cleveland sports fan. So, amen. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I don't use unfortunately now that the Cavs had won the world championship, but if I ever say I'm a Browns fan, there's probably, unfortunately, you know, apologize, but Um, If you look at any great organization, just take this church, for example, there hasn't been a new senior pastor every two years, every three years. If you look at any great team, any great organization, there has been consistency from the top up. And this is a position that I'm so pumped to be a part of. (laughs) I I can't imagine. um, I have a four and a half year old son. I have a daughter who's going to be two in September and I have. A baby boy do in January and the fact that I get to be in a position that that is significantly involved in the the single greatest aspect of their life their spiritual faith is I mean I super super excited I I I can't think of any other words to to say it this is where I want to be when I retire Um, I I'm just excited I can't think of other words about about this position and the opportunity to invest in my own kids and invest and kids in this church. So uh, hopefully you have an idea of the vision and hopefully you have an idea of why you should be excited. If you're a youth, I'm hoping you're excited. Um, as we go forward, if we want to accomplish this, the, accomplish these things, going off what Jeff was saying is we're going to challenge you to get involved. And it may not be teaching in the classroom. Maybe you can help us build things over in the warehouse. Maybe financially you can help in certain areas. Maybe you can give time or just prayer. Whatever it is would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I remember when my wife and I were first married. We'll be married 10 years this August. Yes. She deserves a round of applause. She's, um, 
But we would always talk about how exhausted we were. We had no kids. And we would both taught. We got off work at four. We'd get home and we're like, oh, well, I got six hours. How are we going to eat and mow the lawn? I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be impossible. But as Jeff has shared, and it's similar in our life, that the more involved we got um, right now, you know, being the busiest time of our life, but it's also the most rewarding time, just being involved with the youth, being in our life group. It, it's, it's things we look forward to. It's things we know we're giving back, and it, it's just awesome. So I always made the mistake as um, a head basketball coach of asking people to help, and when I would ask them to help, I would already be apologizing. Hey, we need help with uh, our freshman team. They practice, like, at midnight, and it's not real fun, but we need help. Um, and I learned very early that you that's not the way to do it. And so my philosophy going forward and talking with Jeff is if we come across as aggressive, it's because we aren't going to apologize or we're not going to feel bad for possibly giving you the greatest opportunity to make an impact in the kid's life or making an impact in this church. And um, it's just an awesome, awesome opportunity. So um, with that, um, we are excited to meet all of you. Um, You know, one thing I can think of my favorite days as a teacher, and it wasn't, oh, that was a great lesson on Antietam. It was the days where, you know, we had tangents and I got to know the kids and the kids laughed and the kids cried. And I met with the kids afterwards and I had good, strong, collaborative relationships with the parents and we had great conversations. That's what I'm that's what I'm thrilled to get to do with all of you. And as we start going forward here, come up, introduce yourself, email me, call me, introduce me to your kids. We want them involved. We want you involved. Don't go to Jeff. What does Jeff know about youth youth ministry? <laughs> he doesn't know anything. So, no, I mean, what an incredible resource. So, uh, we are looking forward to moving on. There will be reminders. A lot of fun activities we're planning, you know, with our Sunday morning service being a service that frees us up. We're still going to meet Wednesday night, still going to meet Sunday night, but we can be a lot more creative in what we're doing. So, hopefully you have a vision I hope you're extremely, extremely pumped slash excited slash ecstatic, whatever cinnamon, go, cinnamon goes along with that. Cinnamon, whatever, <laughs> whatever spice goes along with our Sunday morning service. But um, one thing I will challenge you today, we have out here the registration, the check in where the computers are in order for us to clearly communicate with you and effectively communicate with you. We need to know who you are. So if you have already registered and checked in, you can check with them. Hey, is there any more information you need? Or if we have a registration card, if you could fill it out and turn it right back in immediately, that would be so beneficial. So I look forward to getting to know every single one of you, investing in you, and being a resource and partnering with you to make this youth ministry amazing. So thank you. Good job. Good job. That was awesome. It's good. Oh, man, I'm feeling good. That's exciting. <laughs> hey, the youth ministry, the children's ministry is one avenue for you to get involved. And honestly, what a tremendous opportunity that God has given us to have Annie and Courtney as the leaders of that area of children and youth. Um, but they can, they'll only be as good as the people around them. Okay? The, he, I love him. And I know he's got the energy and the drive and the vision and, the, you know, 
but he's only going to be as good long term as the people around him. We don't want people who are dynamic and excited and everything to get burned out. So you got to come around them, kind of hold up his arms. You know what I'm saying? And be there for him. If children and youth, that's not your area that you don't want to get involved. That's okay. Choose something else. Get engaged somewhere within the ministry of the church. Serve in the community. Reach out. One of the things we're going to do very soon is we're going to be bringing uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner to our police here in Mason. We're going to make, we're going to feed them every every shift. We're going to give them something. We're going to make give some baked goods. We'll we'll let you know when we're doing that. It's pretty soon. But we need some people to do some baked goods. So we're gonna we're just gonna let them know the police of our community. We love you. We support you. We behind we're behind you. And there'll be opportunity for you to to sign up and pray for specific police officers. So they know that they, they have a family here at Grace Chapel that, is, that loves them and wants to engage in their lives and wants to pray for their, their safety and, and everything. So there, there's all kinds of little opportunities for you to get involved. And so pick a place, okay? That's what we've been talking about. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to live out our faith. So pick a place. My, my professor used to say one person, one job. Pick one job that you can do, something you'll enjoy, maybe do it as a family, and get engaged. Get engaged. And so we can impact our community. We can impact our world. We can impact the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for Andy and just for his, his heart, Lord God, Andy and Courtney, and just their desire to serve you. Thank you for the energy. Thank you for the vision. We pray, dear God, as a church for them. We pray that you come around them, that you would give them strength, that you give them the support that they need, Lord God, that you would, your Holy Spirit would speak into each of our lives and that we would answer the question, where can I be involved in making a difference in the lives of people all around me? So we love you. We praise you, God, for all that you're doing in this church and pray that we would not be people who just sat back and listened but that we were people who would sit back and listen and then with passion and excitement engage for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a fantastic week.